Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Olson. It's a blessing and a joy to be with you today and sharing God's Word with you. Here at our church, we believe that every single time we open up God's Word, that something miraculous takes place. You see, this is not like any other book that we just pull off our shelf, but we believe that this is a living, active Word of God, true from cover to cover. And because of those convictions, we come with an expectancy that God is going to use His Word in a powerful and miraculous way to work in our hearts and lives, to convict us of sin, to point us to our Savior Jesus, and teach us what it means to follow after Him. It's our prayer that as you come and hear the word of God today, that these things would be true in your heart and life as well. Would you pray with me as we come now to open up the word of God? Heavenly Father, we commit this time to you. We ask, Lord, that you would be magnified and praised through this time of worship together, of hearing of your word and centering our lives on it. Lord, would you come and speak to us now as we dedicate this moment to you? In Jesus' name, amen. But our church, we have been going through a sermon series on the Gospel of Luke that we started last fall and is going to be taking us up till Easter. And in this series, we've been looking just chapter by chapter through the Gospel of Luke and, and seeing the heart of Christ for the kingdom of God that's in the midst. It's, it's present through the Messiah and it's working out in the lives of individuals. But today, as we get to our sermon text from Luke chapter 11, we see a little bit different side of Jesus than perhaps we're used to. A lot of times when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus and loving the little children and, and then sitting next to him and, and everyone smiling. Well, today we see Jesus calling people out. We see him condemning people. Although Jesus is kind and loving, we see that Jesus doesn't tolerate tyrants. He doesn't have any patience for those who are using their power for some kind of advantage. He doesn't have any kind of grace for religious leaders who are just puffing themselves up to look good on the outside, but really are not following the Lord on the inside. And so we see that Jesus sanctions them. He calls them out. He rebukes them. He condemns their hypocrisy. The kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to those like this. And throughout chapter 11, we hear about all of these different statements that Jesus proclaims. Uh, this, this section is often called the woes against the Pharisees. If you're looking at your Bibles, you'll see that heading perhaps. And a woe is a statement of condemnation that's being proclaimed. It's a rebuking statement. It's a, a statement of exhortation, putting someone in their place. Uh, it's expressing maybe a disappointment about something, but all of, all of it has some kind of con connotation of a condemnation. And an example of that would be maybe, uh, woe to those who go and try to get a car wash, for you will wait in line for hours. You know, something like that, where there, there's an express condemnatory kind of posturing towards someone or something. Well, as we look at Luke chapter 11 together today, I want you to see if you can spot the theme here and why Jesus would be proclaiming these things to the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Is, is Jesus just trying to be mean? Is he being a jerk? Why is he 
calling them out on these different things? Why is Jesus concerned with these religiosity folk who are just you know, looking at rituals and things that they need to do? Uh, somebody in the room here, uh, think about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, something that is said, but then something else is done. It's kind of a two-faced nature to it. I find it interesting that in the world, people are often disgusted by those who would be hypocrites in the church. Right? Those who say that they're following God, but their life looks nothing like it. The reality is that what we see in Luke 11 is that Jesus got really disgusted with that too. He calls those people out. He, he says, this is not representing the heart of God. What are you doing? In verse 37, we'll pick it up there and look at the first of these woes that Jesus pronounces. Verse 37, it says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in, reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. You see, the Pharisees, they had all these rules and rituals of what they had to do, and they were very focused on these external things, right? How many times you had to wash, how many steps you had to take, what kind of clothes you could wear, all of these different rules and rituals. And, and as Jesus comes and has dinner with them, they spot Jesus breaking one of these rules. Uh-oh, Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. And, and Jesus comes to look at them and says, you guys are focused on the wrong things. You're making the big, big deal about these external rituals and you're, you're not focused on the inside of your heart that's really full of greed and wickedness. You're, you're so much focused on the external and if you're clean on the outside, but on the inside there's brokenness and sin and you're not worried about that? First, be worried about the inside of your life that's full of yuck and sin before you start worrying about all these external things. And so he condemns them. You Pharisees, you fools, he says in verse 40. Don't you care about the inside of your life, about the condition of your heart before God? Focus on that first before you focus on all these external rituals that you're, you're admonishing others to do. Jesus continues in verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees. You tithe mint and rue and every herb. And you can neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without, without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Jesus is calling out the Pharisees here and saying, you're doing some good things, right? You're tithing. You know, the standard for giving that we have in the Old Testament, you're, you're giving 10%, but that's not the thing that I want. You're neglecting the most important thing, justice and the love of God. You're doing things for a show. You're wanting people to see, hey, look at what I'm giving. See me put this into the offering plate? You're seeking the attention, Jesus says. The best seat in synagogue to be noticed by all of those around you. It's just a big show but jesus says the reality 
is that you're just like graves. There's a rotting corpse under there. The outside maybe looks beautiful and great, but the inside is full of death and decay. Your life before the Lord isn't pure. It's not holy. It's not righteous before Him. Everything in there is messed up. And Jesus is calling them out for their hypocrisy. Are there any Pharisees here today? Those who maybe would adorn the outside or want to make sure that everything looks good, but inside your heart isn't right before God? More often than not, when I look at what Jesus is doing here, I find that it's convicting for those in the church and for myself. We see many times our hearts are focused on the external things rather than on our heart. One of the experts of the law, verse 45, answered Jesus and said, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. These uh, experts of the law, or maybe your version says lawyer, these were the namakos. Maybe your translation has a lawyer there. These were scripture lawyers, okay? So kind of like a theologian or an expert in the study of God's word. We have medical lawyers and business lawyers. Well, these were lawyers of the Bible. And they would study the law then and then would tell people what the law of God told them to do. And, and Jesus says, yeah, I am condemning you also. Verse 46, woe to you lawyers, for you load people with burdens that are hard to bear, and you yourselves don't touch the burdens with even one of your fingers. What Jesus is saying is, you guys are you know, admonishing and exhorting people that this is what the Bible says, and you're trying to point that out for them of how they're to live and what they're to do. But you yourselves don't even care about the law. You're not living in your life according to God's word. You're telling other people, here's all the things, here's the commands of God, but you don't even touch it with the 10-foot pole. You get the point here of what Jesus is doing? He doesn't have a lot of time for religious hypocrites. Those who say one thing and do another. He's wanting hearts that are following after him with sincerity and genuineness instead of just for a show or to make ourselves look better. Are there any experts of the law here today? People who maybe feel like you're smart and knowledgeable, but really are not following the Lord with your life. Verse 47, it says, Woe to you! You build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. You're witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. We see here that instead of putting themselves under the word of God, these experts of the law instead put themselves over it. They did away with God's messengers. Not explicitly, but implicitly. Their forefathers had had them killed, put to death. And they consented to those actions. When I was in Washington, D.C., I went to go visit the um, Holocaust Museum, which is just a really hard thing to do. You see all of the atrocities of war and the testimony of witnesses of the Hitler regime. And what Jesus is describing here in verses 47 through 51 
is the reality that these people, these experts in the law, they knew the atrocities, but they turned a blind eye to them. And in building the tombs of the prophets, there was a glorification of their death. There, there was an outward appearance of holiness, but Jesus says that their hearts were the same as their forefathers. Not wanting to hear the word of God, not acknowledging the atrocities of death, but instead just kind of ignoring it. Do we have those here today who would fall into the same trap? Seeing sin around us and perhaps turning a blind eye to it, ignoring it, pretending like it'll just go away. It won't come and influence me. Uh, I'm going to just sweep this under the rug. Oftentimes, friends, we do that more often than we would care to admit. We see sin as well, just like the experts in the law. And instead of acknowledging it and consenting to it, we just kind of pretend it away. Verse 52, Jesus says, Woe to you, experts in the law, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. For these religious people, they looked at themselves as kind of the gatekeepers of knowledge. These were the ones who knew what was going on. They knew the rules of God. But they were the only ones. And there was a barrier and a separation between them and everybody else. And so interesting to me as I study history how it has a way of repeating itself. The same reality of having some kind of barrier of knowledge was seen not just in these experts of the law, but we've seen several times throughout human history. Think about the time of the Reformation and Catholic priests who were the only ones who were able to read the Bible and common people weren't allowed to have it in their language. We'll interpret it for you. you know, we'll read the Bible and we'll tell you what it says. We don't trust you to have one of those in your own language. And even today, you know, I think about how the application of what Jesus says is uh, convicting for our own hearts. We see oftentimes in the church some kind of gatekeeping of knowledge, right? Some a religious elite that says, well, once you're a certain age, then you can be involved with this. Or, you know, this, this knowledge or this activity is only going to be done by this such and such a group or this such and such a people. And we are guilty of the same kind of things. And as you hear each of these woes that are presented here throughout chapter 11, what, what happens sometimes as we hear these it's very easy for us to, yeah, look at these accusations that Jesus is making and to agree with them and say, yeah, you go get them, Jesus. Those religious leaders who are two-faced and hypocritical, the ones who are worried about all the wrong things, you go and condemn them. They were wrong in what they were doing. They're rightly to be condemned and judged and called out for those things. And you're right. They were. It was shameful and despicable what these religious people were doing pretending to follow after God, but in reality, not having their lives resemble him at all. But friends, the thing that I would remind you of is that what we see here in the lives of the Pharisees and experts of the law, what we see with Jesus calling this out, this isn't all too different from the same kind of thing that needs to be called out in our lives. That, that same heart of man resides in you it resides in me the same kind of blood pumps through our veins and the reality is that we often end up putting emphasis on the wrong things 
I think that if I look back at my life, there's times when I have done exactly the same kind of things as the Pharisees have. We've taken care of our lives to make sure that we look good on the outside, make sure that everybody thinks we're good and we put a smile on and wear our Sunday best, but inside we're dead. Our spiritual life is not great. We're not right before the Lord. Maybe sometimes we attempted to tell others what they should be doing, right? Here's how you should act. Here's how you should live. But we don't lift a finger to help. It's not true of our lives. We're not following the law of God. We're just concerned about how other people need to live. They need to be following this. But I'm the exception, right? I get off the hook on this one. We're tempted to tell youth, hey, you can serve when you're older, and you'll understand better later. You know, we kind of act like those gatekeepers of knowledge. And, and you could probably look at each of these different woes. And, and my point would be that you find the same heart of man in yourself as we see in the lives of these Pharisees. And, and maybe that surprises you. Maybe think, well, pastor, you're a pastor. How can you say that this is true of you? My point, friends, is it's true of all of us. Even the prophet Isaiah, when he comes before the presence of God, what does he say? Woe is me! I am undone! I am a sinful man! I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God! Do you recognize, friends, that these kind of law proclamations that we see Jesus giving to the Pharisees are not all too different from the same kind of proclamations that could be given to us of our wretchedness, of our sinfulness? The reality is is that each and every one of us, we're in the same boat. We're condemned. We stand judged before a holy God who looks at our lives and sees someone who's guilty. Guilty of being a hypocrite. Guilty of condemnation. Guilty of partiality. Guilty of whatever it would be. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, as I'm looking at chapter 11, I don't see my sins that I deal with in any of these, so I guess I get a free pass today. But the point of what Jesus is saying here is not to try to cover everything. It's to expose the hypocrisy of our hearts. It's, it's to expose the sinfulness of man that goes astray and, and self-deifies, becomes our own God and master, and judges everyone else besides our own heart. The call from God's word, friends, both for the Pharisees here and for you, is to repent. To repent of your sin, to turn from pretending. To don't don't play games with God on this one. Don't be a religious hypocrite. Someone who puts on a show for others to see, but really you're just living a complete lie. God wants people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Sincerity and genuineness. He desires hearts that wouldn't come to lord themselves over others, but instead would serve others. Would look for others' benefits and how to be coming alongside and love and compassion and mercy to those who are around you. And as you look over these verses from Luke 11, we really see Jesus kind of just lets them have it, right? He condemns them. You look at through, through these woes, they're essentially just law and condemnation. Come to Jesus moments, right? And my, my uh, question for you, like I asked in the beginning, is. Why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus proclaim law and condemnation? Is he just trying to be mean? Is he trying to be a jerk? Jesus doesn't call them out to be mean. He doesn't condemn them. 
for any other reason than how the law of God always goes forth. That there would be repentance and faith in the lives of those who hear it. And when you think about these Pharisees and the religious leaders who hear the condemnation of Jesus for their sin, we see that there were some that turned from their ways, that lived in repentance and faith and followed Jesus. One of them we know well is Nicodemus. Hear about him in John chapter 3. And later at the end of Luke's gospel, we hear about both Nicodemus and another one, name starts with a J, Joseph of Arimathea, right? They talk about both of them being followers of Jesus. You see, the law of God and his condemnation, it comes forward to bring repentance and faith. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Think about that for a second. That, it, that it's actually God's grace and mercy to condemn sin in us to lead us to turn to him. And the law of God like this, it comes... It's actually God's mercy to us. The author of Hebrews says that God disciplines those whom he loves. He sees where we are and he doesn't want to leave us there. By God's grace, friends, my hope and prayer is that each and every one of you would also hear the law of God and that you would see your sin, but that you would also see a Savior that doesn't want to just leave you there. We instead hear that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he came seeking a relationship with you to seek and save those who are lost. John 3.17 says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That as our hearts are revealed as wicked and sinful and broken, and we see the depravity of our hearts, what we see shining clearly is a Savior who loves us, who desires to restore our brokenness, to save and to redeem and to mend that which has been torn apart. And so as you think about this proclamation of these woes that we hear are given in Luke chapter 11, my prayer for each and every one of you is that you would look at your heart today, that you would see how the condemnation of God's word comes for all of us, each and every one of us stand before God and as Jesus does with the Pharisees, he could do to you today. That we in our hearts are often hypocritical. We go astray. We do our own thing. But that Jesus doesn't just condemn us and show us our sin, but that he comes and he shows himself as our Savior who's faithful to you, who calls you by name, who invites you to a relationship with him, to live by faith in the Son of God and have life in his name. To be a child of God. And that's an invitation today, friends, that is for you. By God's grace, may we hear, heed this call of Jesus to live in daily repentance and faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We're thankful that you are our God, our King, our Savior. We admit before you, Lord, we confess with you that we are sinful and unclean. That we need your mercy and grace. We pray that you would extend that to us for Christ's sake. Grant us forgiveness of all of our sins, and we would grow to follow you and live with you day by day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you heard, please consider donating to the Ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.